0: So this last month, we've been focusing on breaking down what I think is a false dichotomy that we've created in the church between those who minister and those who are members. And and I don't think Jesus ever intended that in the church. And it was wonderful to to hear about what God was doing last week while I was away. And, uh, And again, to just see this morning again how God is so clearly at work amongst us. It's been something we're really contending for. I think it's a breakthrough that God has given us in the way in which we are using what God has given us together. And that's a really fantastic and wonderful thing. That's a significant part of what we've been trying to do as a part of this series. That I, want, I want to say this. If, if our goal is limited to having meetings like we had last week or meetings like we had this morning, we're still aiming too low. Right? We're still aiming too low. And that, that's not because last week or this week wasn't great. It really was. It's fantastic to be a part of God's people where the Spirit is at work. And we're we're so unified in lifting up praise and glory to our King. But the goal of the church has got to be more than what we do when we get together. Right? The goal of the church has got to be more than just what we do when we get together. This is like, this is the team talk before the game and after the game and during the game. It's not the game, though. Right? And if we do this super well and we don't do anything else, we're not doing what God has called us to do. And so, this morning, I want, to, I want to kind of raise the horizon, lift the bar a little bit, and that's why I've called my message, Lights in the Darkness. So we're going to talk a bit about what it means to carry the kingdom of God into the world that we live in, <clears throat> because most of your lives are not spent here on a Sunday morning, right? Most of you, statistically speaking, spend most of your lives anywhere but here, and uh, if all we can do all well is here, we, we're kind of missing it, So, so I want to... I want to talk a little bit about this, but I want to, we're going to launch from a, a gathered context. We're going to jump into 1 Corinthians 14. and 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is speaking about what happens when the gifts of the Spirit are at work in the gathered church. Right When you gather together, he's beginning to speak. And he's speaking specifically in this particular part of 1 Corinthians 14 about tongues and prophecy. And he begins to, to talk about the difference between the two. And then he says this, uh, from 25, 24 to 25, 1 Corinthians 14, he says, if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or an outsider or a visitor enters, then that person is convicted by everyone. He is called to account by everyone, and the secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Notice, notice what Paul is saying, if I can paraphrase. When the church gathers together... And all the parts of the church are functioning properly. Remember 1 Corinthians 12, which is this long argument that Paul has been building. We're all parts in one body. We are the body of Christ. We are the church. And when all the parts are functioning properly and the gift of prophecy is at work, then God, through that gift, begins to touch the heart of the visitor or the unbeliever. And that person comes to a point of repentance. He falls down on his face and begins to worship God. Paul is saying us that when we use the gifts that God has given us, just in simple obedience, I want you to notice there's not a fancy formula here. There's, There's not a methodological plan that Paul sets out. It's just when you do what God has given you to do, when you live as He's meant you to work, then He does the work. God does all the work. God convicts them. And He calls them out. And He calls them to Himself. And He begins to show them His goodness. That's what God does. And I want you to notice something else that's not... Inherently in the scripture, but it's a part of the argument that Paul begins to build right in 1 Corinthians 12, which Cara very helpfully read for us this morning. Right? Paul says in 1 Corinthians twelve seven, he says, God gave these gifts to the church, to his body, right, for the common good, for the good of the church. He says it more specifically in Ephesians chapter 4. Right? He says, the gifts are given to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. It's a, it's a kind of special thing. God pours out His Spirit into His church so that His church can be encouraged and built up. That's like a, a wonderful thing. It's why when we gather together, we gather to encourage and to build one another up. That's what God is doing amongst us by His Spirit. But notice this. Notice that even though the gifts were given for that purpose, when we use them as God intends us to use them, then there's a byproduct. There's something that happens in the lives who have not yet, of people who have not yet discovered Jesus, who are beginning to be called by the Spirit towards Christ. They, they, he begins to move in their heart, and then He brings them to this point where they're able to fall on their face and worship Jesus. Do you see that? That's because the gifts are... It's not because the preacher gave an altar call at the end of his message. No, God works through that sometimes. But it's in this context, Paul's saying, when the, when the body is working... When the gifts that God has put into the body are operating as they should, then it touches the lives of those who are, on, who are being called by God, who are on the edge. I want you to remember something. That when, when, remember in 1 Corinthians 12 when Paul said, The gifts that God gives you, they're a part of who you are. Remember, God assigned them. You didn't choose them. You didn't get to come to know Jesus and, and hand in a list. and be like, You know, like we do with our Christmas presents or our birthday presents sometimes. You're like, I know you're going to try and buy me a really great gift. But, you know, if you try from this list, it'll be much better. <laughs> right? We don't really get to do that with Jesus. You come to know him and then he sovereignly decides what, what gifts of his spirit he's going to pour into your life. He chooses that. All right, again, have a look. 1 Corinthians 12. But that each of us, with those different gifts that God gives us, we form the body of Christ. We are the church. Whether God has made you to be a hand, or a foot, or a torso, or a leg, or a head, or an ear, or an eye, whatever it is, who you are is a function of how God has made you. It's what He has sovereignly done in you. So I want you, this is my logic jump for you this morning. I want you to follow me here. If the church is not about where we gather, but who we are, Right? And We spent like a good month talking about that. If the church is not about where we gather, but who we are, and if God made you to be a particular part of that church, a foot or a hand or an eye or an ear or a head, don't you think you would continue to be that same part whether you're gathered together or whether you're scattered apart? Huh? If God has made you to be a head in His church, the church is not where people gather. The church is the body of Christ. It's the people of God that he has saved and redeemed and poured his spirit into. And if he's made you to be a head or an eye or a foot in that body, you are still that head, eye or foot, whether you are together or whether you're apart. Really touches on some of the prophetic words that we heard earlier this morning. It's at the heart of of what I'm trying to share, that this, this thing, God has made us to be who we are and we live that out wherever we are. Now, this, doesn't, this example here, 1 Corinthians 14, this example is the example of prophecy. Right? I want to I'll show you a couple of other examples in the Scriptures where God uses different gifts to also do His work in the lives of others. Right? Very quickly, and then we're going to do some real-time examples. Okay, Acts chapter 9. This is a great little story. It's in the middle of a long story about other things, and here we get this little story about Peter. Right? And it says, Peter went here and there um, among them, and he also came down to the saints who lived at Lydda. I, I love this phrase. He was just, you know, here and there. He was casually doing his thing, being an apostle, looking after the church, making sure everything was working, was just traveling around, making sure everyone was okay. He gets down to Lydda, and there he finds a man named Aeneas. He's been bedridden for eight years, and he was been paralyzed. And Peter says to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he gets up. Okay, wonderful. There's a gift of healing that's been exercised. That's what happened. God has worked through Peter and healed this man. And notice this, verse 35. And all the residents of Lydda and this other place called Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. Right? Because God has just done something. God has just been at work. You remember the story of Jesus and the woman at the well, Right? very well-known story. There's a Samaritan woman. I'm going to read you some excerpts because if we read all the way from 16 to 41, I would run out of time and we'd have to stop. All right? There's a lot of good stuff here there. Jesus meets this woman at the well and they're having a bit of a discussion as he asks her for water, which is kind of culturally inappropriate, but he does it anyway. And, and then he says to her, go and call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus says to her, you're right in saying that I have no husband. And here comes a word of knowledge, right? That's what we call it in Christian circles. God reveals something to you that you wouldn't otherwise know about someone. It's a factual piece of information. Right? For You've five. You've had five husbands and the husband that you have right now is not your husband. That's the word of knowledge. Jesus just drops it on. It's quite, it was quite an awkward thing to say in conversation to someone. You better really be sure that the Lord has given it to you or, or preface it with, I think God might have said this and this might be true. Jesus knows, so he just drops it. She responds, what you have said is true. The woman said to him, so I perceive that you're a prophet. And so the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Can this be the Messiah? Can this be the person we've been waiting for? And they went out of the town and they came to him. And notice verse 39, many Samaritans from that time believed in him because of the woman's testimony that he told me all that I ever did. And when they came to him, they asked him to stay with them and he stayed there for another two days and many more people believed because of his word.
1: Right?
0: He just operated in what God had given him and God did the rest. Right? This woman actually, who shouldn't really have had much of a voice in town because she's been divorced five times. Right? She's like the woman that's on the outside of everyone's social group because no one really wants to invite her to their party because it's awkward. She's the one who goes back to the town and says, guys, I met this guy and he told me everything. And you need to listen to him. And God works through her and redeems her in that moment and does this amazing ministry through a word of knowledge. Okay, last last story before we, we jump to millennia. Right, this is a story about Apollos, Aquila, and Priscilla. You might have heard about Apollos. He does some ministry in the New Testament, right? And Aquila and Priscilla are two of the people Paul encounters on his missionary journeys, right? Acts 18 says this, Now there was a Jew named Apollos. He was a native of Alexandria. He came to Ephesus. He was very eloquent. He was competent in the Scriptures. And he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And he was fervent in spirit, and he spoke, and he taught accurately the things concerning Jesus even though he only knew about the baptism of John, and John had come to prepare the way for Jesus. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And Priscilla and Aquila heard him because they were there, and they took him aside, and they explained the way of God to him more accurately. See, they had met Paul. Paul had explained the fullness of the gospel to them, them. and so they sat down with Apollos, and they said, Apollos, you're doing a really fantastic job. But there are one or two things actually would be helpful for you to know. Let me show you how these old... Testament prophecies actually speak about Jesus and how Jesus actually came and how he overcame death. And let me tell you about all these things. So they explain a little bit. They exercise a gift of teaching, if we can put it into that framework.
1: Right.
0: And so it says this, and then when he wished to cross to Achaia or to Greece, the brothers encouraged him and they wrote to the disciples in Greece and, and they, to welcome him. And so when he arrived, he greatly helped them, those who through grace who had believed and he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the Scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Right? Because he had received a gift of teaching, because a couple, Aquila and Priscilla, had recognized there is something in this man, and you know, God has given us the grace to teach. We're just going to share a little bit of what we understand and know in the Scriptures, and we're going to release him, and then he goes out and see how God works. I just want to share these stories, and there are many other stories that just speak a little bit about how when we operate and do what God has given us to do, when we live out who we are in the space where we happen to be, God can use those things exponentially more than we understand. So I've asked Jill and John to share a little bit of how this has been some of the reality that they have walked in. And uh, so Jill, we have ladies first, and you just come and share with us a little bit. Um, We've got some stories. We're going to, as I said, they bridge the millennial divide of 2,000 years and uh, jump into how God's still doing the same thing today. Thanks.
1: Given more than has been given to, you. therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always. Conversation. Forget it. It doesn't work. Don't even go there. Don't even try to justify it. You give your story. You give the story of what God has done in life. No, even my life. No, can know. So, what happened was I would tell people my story. i supplies with come. i tell them my story. My wife, right again, I was praying for me. You know? People would come know, in. I hadn't seen for years. I'd sharing about Jesus, you know. And it was amazing because I had no training, nothing. I just tell them what he done in my life. And then, um, I had a lot of um, MPs in that day at church. And it it's of the Lord's group. So I did this gentleman was in my office and busy working. because you know, you can be very focused on the work, and you can forget about God. You can get caught up in a church quite easily. You forget to pray, you forget to ask for help. It's easy. because you're in a workplace, it's all surrounding you. You don't want against you. So you can easily forget to pray, forget to ask God about things. You just take out the work. So I sat down, I'm busy, yeah, I'm, like, is he, I'm saying, this street, because I'm speak to the owner of the on the sixth floor, the sixth floor is where all the highway. Is where you are all supposed to speak. That's it. That's where you're at. And so, the giving of it, and sometimes it even works for people too. I mean, the best, I don't know, going up to Durham
0: I was so
1: struck by what you said because I was attacked in that house and somebody tried to rape me. Now, it's interesting, but now from that, from the gifting that God put in me, and the little word, we had much of a bunch of us say that. So it's just, you know, words that you speak out, just you be yourself. It's not going to be here, It's not like, say this prayer oh, forget it. That's not it. It's really about who you, you are. It's about kindness, it? it's about love, it's about compassion. If you want to you know we always look for some principles and things like this formula. But formula is one of those good things the God talks about. It's it's about that, that love. You know, I sweep a tongue with angels and I don't have love and waste my time. So my action tell me that one lady was a whole thought that she really was. She's a really she had a hard time in teachings and it was always against me. You yeah, you So, yeah, you know, you know. So that I would show the love. And in that, in had an effect on You don't know what it was. There were people, as you're from the seeds. Some of those seeds are generated sure eight years later. Others were two years later. And God was gracious, he let know. But he doesn't want to do this We've had a chicken in front of eight years later. You know, when he spoke to me, Mr. Past, what? I didn't even remember. She wasn't yeah. working anymore. She said, You know, what spoke to me. I remember what she said. And I my mouth the word. And she got my mouth for me eight years later to let me know. I mean, that's most unusual. So God is going to make.
0: Thank you, John. Thank you, Jill. Some really great stories there. And really, those stories come out of a journey of faith. And, and we really appreciate you guys sharing that with us. I'm not going to share any other stories because we're already a little bit late. Um, I'm, I'm going to close with this question. If we, we, We've seen this in the Scriptures. If we agree theologically that it's true, what stops us from living it day to day? I think that's, that's something we have to wrestle with. And I want to suggest maybe, maybe we're just a little bit afraid. Okay? like You don't know what's going to happen. You're going to go up to the sixth floor and have a conversation with your like, significant boss. And you're like, maybe he's going to take it badly. Maybe it's going to make an awkward relationship for us going forward. Maybe, maybe you're like me and you're like, so many people in this world push things on us. I don't want to be a part of that culture. I don't want to push things on anyone else, and so then you end up not saying anything because you know, i, I don 't know what it, what it is But often I think we 're just a little bit we 're a little bit afraid of offending others of what it 's going to do to our relationships of what if god doesn 't come through and i want to I don't want to sit here and tell you not to be afraid because i don 't think that 's particularly helpful but I think we all know the scripture that God hasn 't given us a spirit of fear but of Power, love, and self-control, mind. Right, depending on your translation. It's okay. Right, we know the scripture, but sometimes that knowing the scripture is not enough. Right, and so I don't want to tell you not to be afraid. I want to remind you. This is what Paul said. Right, Romans 1.16 said, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel." Because I know and I am convinced and I believe that the gospel, the good news about the fact that Jesus came, lived, died for our sins and rose again, I believe that the gospel is the power of God. That message is the power of God. That reality that actually happened is the power of God for the salvation of anyone who will believe it. It's what Paul believed. I want to ask you this morning to be courageous. I think that's something we can do. The, courageous or being brave is about acknowledging and recognizing that there is fear, but saying, you know what, I'm going to choose to face it. I'm going to choose to step out. I'm going I'm to choose to go out on a limb. And so I just want to ask you this morning, as you go into the rest of your week, and as we continue to live as Christians, will you be willing to go out on a limb for God? Would you believe that God really wants to impact the world around you? That he wants to touch your family and your friends or your colleagues? Would you believe that he actually would be willing to use you to do that? One of my favorite scriptures in 2 Corinthians 12, where Paul talks about this thorn in the flesh that God has given him that makes him weak and feel inadequate. And he pleads with the Lord three times to take it away. And God's answer to him is, Paul, I'm not going to take it away because my grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in your weakness. So Paul says, now I'm going to boast in my weaknesses because then I know the power of God is made manifest. Friends, I know for many of us, we feel weak in this thing. We feel like we can't do it. And, and sometimes the, the recourse for us was like, if I could just have enough training, you know, then I could do it. I want to say I really don't think that's going to help. We've got to choose to trust God. We've got to choose to just go out there and say, God, I believe that you love people. Jesus, you died because you so loved the world, that you wanted them to know you, that you deeply desired for the estranged brothers and sisters out there to come back into the family, that you want to touch my mom or my dad or my friend or my colleague, that you want to show them who you are. And Lord, I'm, I'm going to be prepared to be praying for them and to listen to you. And if you ask me to do something, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to see what happens. Can we do that together? Let's come, if we can do that, guys, I, re- I genuinely believe we're going to see God working in our generation. We're going to see him touch our, our communities. And then he's going to touch the, the, the communities that our communities have. And it's going to ripple out. Right? It's not going to happen when we host a big crusade. It's going to happen is the people of God believe that God loves the people around them, that he wants to know them, and they put themselves out in a limb and say, you know what, God, I'm willing. You tell me and I'll do it. So just look for the small step, the next thing that's in front of you, right? Just ask, oh, God, what is, what is the thing you're wanting me to do? When you go to work, well, what do you have for me today in this place? Is there a conversation you want me to have? Is there a way I can bless someone? If God has made you to be super caring, then, then how can I care for someone in this space? Has it, is there someone in my workplace that's had an operation recently? Can I go to the hospital, bring them flowers, buy them a chocolate?
1: Right.
0: If, there's, if there's wisdom that you just carry and you recognize there's someone in your life, is there a conversation I can begin to have? With, God, you're going to open up something, you're going to give me an opportunity to share. Is there a way I can show hospitality to someone who actually is just really needing to feel loved and if I just welcome them into my home, they're going to feel the love of Christ and I'm going to trust you for a moment and an opportunity. How can we, how can we use the things that God has given us, the gifts that He's already put in us to just live out who He's made us to be? That's all. I was going to break us up into groups to pray for one another, but I think we're running quite late. So, yes, Val. Yeah. Amen, Val. Thank you. So guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us. There's a, there's a prayer that I'm going to pray for us in Acts chapter 4 that the believers pray. And I'm going to pray for us. It says this, Now, Lord, look upon the threats that they speak against us and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and do signs and wonders that are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. That's the prayer that they pray. People are against us, God. Give us boldness to speak. And when we speak, God, come through and show your greatness. That's what we're going to pray. So Lord Jesus, we want to pray together this morning. That you would give us a boldness, God. To speak and to do and to be the people that you've made us to be. To be the head or the hand or the foot or the arm or the leg. In whatever space you've given us to be to live out authentically to be who we are in those spaces to keep you at the forefront of our lives so that it touches the lives of others to be willing God to take the opportunities that you place before us and Lord we pray and we ask that you would stretch out your hands that you would heal that there would be signs and wonders that you would do in the lives of the people around us God that you would touch them in miraculous ways in ways that that are beyond what we could normally do. But God, you would speak life. And you would bring life into those spaces. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would do that in this group of people, this body of Christ, for your kingdom's sake and for your glory. Because God, we desire to see the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. We desire to see the rule and reign of God extended in this place in Muesenburg. We desire to see, God, those who are in darkness and in spiritual bondage brought into life and shown into the fullness of the freedom that you died for, Jesus, that they would know you, that they would discover a God and a Father that loves them. God, come and be at work through your people. Give us courage, God. Give us boldness. For your kingdom's sake and for your glory, we pray. Amen. Amen. Friends, thank you for being with us this morning. Please remember the August is next week. We love you and we will see you the week after that. That I will be on camp.